So what exactly is the anointing of the Holy Spirit and what are the different kinds of anointings believers can have? Well, today's special guest is here to give us some insight into these questions and share some of the powerful revelations the Lord has shown him personally about the anointing. But first joining me around the table is my dear friend, April Simons. How are you? I'm doing great. And I wanted to tell you that Minneapolis sends their hello. They love Joni Table Talk. Yeah. They watch all the time. Yeah, so I love I told it. Them I'd tell you. April travels all over the world and she comes back and tells me. <laughs> and I love hearing that. That's amazing. So Kendra Kelly Dean, how are hello. you? I'm great. I think that anointing is so important. It's so important. Isn't so it? important. We need to understand it so that we don't abuse it and yeah. use it to the mm -hmm. fullness that God's given it to us for yeah. us to use. And he's going to have some good answers to questions people have about yeah, the anointing. Yeah, there's, a, right. yeah, there's a lot of Bible characters that operate in the anointing, mm -hmm. but things weren't so great. So maybe just to bring some understanding yeah. mm -hmm. to that, Rachel Ann Brown, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm glad to be here today. Yeah. And there's different types of anointing. Yeah. Which is something that's new to me to learn about that. So I'm excited to dive into the different types and yeah. how we can access those. All right. And I turn around here to my dear friend, Rhonda Davis. How are you? <laughs> Hello. I'm fantastic. Anointing. And I'm thrilled. <laughs> yes. You know Fall what makes a difference. Me. Yes. You know, we're going to sing a song. Yes. We're going to have to sing a song. <laughs> and I'm so excited. And often on Wednesday nights, I show your Joni Table Talk. So they love her in Tennessee, oh, awesome. too. Oh, and so it's going to be that. a great subject matter. For sure. For sure. I'm so glad you're here, my friend. Thank All you. the way from yes. Tennessee. Yay. Cindy Murdoch, how are you? Great. She's your friend from Tennessee, Absolutely. too. Absolutely. Yes. yes. Used yes. to be neighbors. Yes, we were. <laughs> for a while. But you used to sing that song, right? Yes. Anointing. Follow me. Well, he's a minister and author who's known for walking in the power and gifts of the Holy Spirit. And today he's here to share about his new book, Mysteries of the Anointing. Please welcome our dear friend, Pastor Benny Hinn is here. Thank you. Hey, that's some great epic music to walk yes. into, right? I like it. It feels like the anointing. I like it. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being here. What an here. honor and delight. Thank you for being here, Pastor Benny. You know, miracles, healings, prophecy, and the tangible presence of the Lord, all of these are directly connected to the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But so few people understand what the anointing really is, how to operate in it, or how to even receive it. So today, Pastor Benny is here to bring some clarity and understanding to this somewhat mysterious topic. All right, so um, I'm excited about this book because I feel like it's going to help answer a lot of questions for some of the viewers that are watching today, Pastor Benny. But you have talked about the Holy Spirit for a long, long time. What makes this book different from some of your other ones, like Good Morning, Holy Spirit? Well, this has to do with the power and most times when someone says the anointing, they think about ministry or the anointing that comes upon somebody yeah. when they minister. But there's way more than that in the Bible. Yeah. You talk about um, three anointings in here. But before we get into that, I want our Table Talk audience to hear a little bit about your salvation story. Because it's so interesting in the dream that the Lord gave you that even prophetically back then, God was showing you things. My mom, when she was young, had a vision. And she had the vision when I was still in her womb. And she saw me like I looked like about seven years ago, covering her with a blanket. Now, if you know anything about the history of my part of the world, there was a war back in 48 that separated families. <clears throat> so my mom's family went to Ramallah, 
present-day West Bank, Judea, Samaria area. My dad's family stayed in Jaffa. And I was born half a mile away from the house of Simon the Tanner mm. in Jaffa. So she prayed. And why she prayed? Because my uh, grandma on my dad's side, who stayed in Jaffa, and my grandfather and uncles on my dad's side persecuted my mom for not having a son first. So my sister was born before I was. Okay. And that's shame in our part of the world. Like, how come you didn't give us a son, you know? Mm. So she prayed. She said, Lord. Now, she was not saved. None of us were. But we were a Greek Orthodox, extremely religious people. She said, Lord, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. Mm. And that's when she had that vision wow. before I was born. And so I was born. When I was 11, the Lord came in a vision. I saw him. I did not know him then. Mm. He stood in our home in Jaffa at night. I was asleep. And I felt this incredible power, like electric power, to go through my body. And I became numb. I couldn't move. But it was a beautiful feeling. Then when, when and he just stood there and smiled. He didn't say a word. Then when he left, I came out. I woke up, still feeling this power all over me. So I said to my mom in the morning, I said, I saw Jesus. She said, you must be a saint, but she did not know what she meant, and I didn't know what she meant. <laughs> so then we immigrated to Canada because of the war in 67. <clears throat> and it was in Canada that I got saved. I went to a school called George Vanney High School. And a group of young people in my class who were born again would say to me every day, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you. And I thought they were all crazy. <laughs> I wanted to run away from them. This went on for a good year. Finally, one day, I come to school, and they said, would you come to a prayer meeting? And I just thought, OK, just to get rid of you, I would come. But what happened the night before, I had a dream. Mm. In my dream, I was going down a stairway with prisoners mm. into a deep pit. Down and down we went. You're chained together. Chained to each other, the one in front, the one behind, all chained to each other. And suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared and did this to me. So as I began moving, the chains fell off. Mm. Wow. A door opened. This is all in the dream. And now he took me by the hand, flew me right over the city of Toronto, and took me right to a corner where, where my high school was. I didn't realize that that is the spot I would be saved in within hours. Wow. So now I'm sitting inside the library because those kids said, would you come to the prayer meeting? In, in those days, they allowed prayer meetings in schools. Now they don't. So I went there, and they didn't say, say a word to me on salvation. Nobody, nobody said, now here's what you do. They all began praying in tongues, and I freaked out. Because <laughs> I never heard people pray in tongues before. <laughs> and then suddenly, I, I felt the same feeling I felt when, the, when I saw the Lord. That same electric power came back while those young people were praying in tongues. I didn't expect it. So I began crying because I remember that vision. And I didn't know what to say, so I said, Jesus, come back. That's all, that's all I could think about. So now I'm walking through the hallways to class that began at 8 a.m. It was a French class with a very tough teacher, French teacher. We're studying the French Revolution, and now I'm literally in class like this, crying. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Aww. And all the kids in class were staring. 
And the teacher walks in, and she doesn't know what to do with me because I'm crying out loud saying, Jesus, I love you. And the class is trying to listen to the teacher, and she didn't talk and say a word. My cousin sat across the way today. She's a very famous doctor at Mount Sinai Hospital. She said, shh, shh, shh. And they used to call me, I had a nickname in those days called Tutu. 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 Live, Don't you call me Tutu. Anyway, so she said, Tutu, be quiet. And I didn't want to be quiet. I was so in love with the Lord. And I saw him coming towards me, walking on the Sea of Galilee in class. Wow. So it changed my life. But those kids then said, would you come to church on Thursday? I was ready to go anywhere, they would say. And I attended a place called Catacombs on Thursday night. It was held by Merv and Mola Watson the same lady who wrote Jehovah Jireh in mm, Canada. Wow. Thousands and thousands of young people sitting on the floor, 3,000 to be exact that night, and Lorne Cunningham was the speaker. Oh. I never in my life had attended any place like that. They were all jumping up and down and <laughs> singing the joy of the Lord in my strength, and then they, they began hugging each other, and when they hugged me, I froze. <laughs> nobody had hugged me ever before. <laughs> and then I heard this man, Lorne Cunningham, and I still remember his sermon to this day. He talked about how they just got a ship and how he had a dream and the ship was this, uh, and he saw the Lord and the ship was becoming clearer and the Lord was getting weaker, disappearing. And he was crying on the platform, the men who ran YWAM. I told him that story. In fact, it, it's in his book now because he said, can I tell this? Of course. So he gave the altar call and I heard a voice say, go down. I said, but I'm already saved go down. So I went down the aisle, and I was the first one down, and Lorne Cunningham was the man to explain salvation to me because those kids, all they Aww. did is pray in tongues. <laughs> and it changed my life, and after that, for three years, my mom and my dad and family wouldn't talk to me because mm. they thought I lost my mind. Mm. I was baptized by the patriarch of Jerusalem called Benedictus. That's why my name is Benny. Uh -huh. But my name used to be Tufik in honor of my grandfather. But they couldn't call me Toothpick in school, they called me Toothpick. <laughs> One day on the speaker said, will Toothpick him please come to the office? And I said, no more Toothpick, I'm changing my name. I went to a lawyer in Pelman, I said, please change my name. I don't want to be called Toothpick for the rest of my life. So I kept the name Benedictus, which, which was my second name given to me by the patriarch of Jerusalem. So the patriarch flies to Toronto to rebuke me for leaving the church. Because the, the Greek you know, Orthodox mentality is, if you're in the church, you'll make heaven. If you're outside, you go to hell, simple. Mm -hmm. And now to, to him, I'm not a church member. I became born again. Well, anyways, that was the beginning of my life. And my daddy took me to a psychiatrist. They stuck plugs in my head to see if I'm okay. My. Mm. And, wow. But the Lord gave me a great family and a man named Jim Pointer. He was a free Methodist pastor who took me in when my parents gave me up. But then later, my mom and my dad found out I was preaching because I went to Miss Kuman's meeting and was touched by the Holy Spirit in a powerful way. And I wrote all this in Good Morning, Holy Spirit. So I began preaching, 1974, December 7th. Well, I didn't tell my dad or my mom because they said to me prior, they, my own father said, he said, if you ever preach the gospel, we'll disown you. Mm. Because to the... Israeli were, you know, Christian Arabs, they call us. To anybody who is a Christian from that part of the world, if you leave the church and you become a part of what they think is a cult, yeah. well, you're, you're, they cut you off. 
So my father said, if you become a preacher, we'll disown you. And I knew him, and he didn't make empty threats. Because in that culture, they mean it. Mm -hmm. So I was so scared that I didn't tell my dad I was preaching already. So now I was preaching at a little Pentecostal church on Lakeshore in Toronto, and they put a little ad in the paper, and my daddy happened to see it. So they show up to church, and I didn't know that they were coming. It was a small little thing with like uh, maybe 100 seats. Yeah. And they sat way in the back, and they were doing this all the time. They didn't sing. They didn't do that. They just stared. Mm -hmm. So dear Jim Ponder, who had taken me to Miss Kuman, who became like a father to me, I said, you better pray. This is it tonight. I said, listen, they're going to disown me tonight, so let's stay till they're asleep and go in, get my stuff and leave and come to your house. So I walk in at 2 a.m. believing they're asleep. Well, they weren't asleep. They were sitting waiting for me. I walk in, my daddy says to me, son, how can we become like you? And they got saved that night. And what what changed it is I used to stutter. I couldn't talk for 21 years. Now they're they're hearing me talk fluently, but I hadn't talked to them for three years, so they didn't know. And my father looked at my mom during service. He said, that's not your son. He said, your son can't talk. He said, that God he talks about must be real. And they became saints of God. And (laughs) my daddy actually, before he went to be with the Lord, read his Bible every morning at five and worked in our office. Amazing. (laughs) Do y'all love this story? Yes. That was the beginning. Isn't that great? I love that. That is amazing. Well, let's get into the book. Why did you write Mysteries of the Anointing? Because you've been in the ministry now for... 48 years. 48 years. Well, I wrote it because I felt... I needed to share the dangers because I saw so many people harmed by ministries or ministers that were anointed because they are anointed. My son Joshua was is a very smart young man. He said he was he was watching one of the evangelists. I won't name names. Who was selling uh, some handkerchiefs? He said, "Dad, is that real?" "Yes, baby, it's real." He said, "Come on, Dad. You know he's a phony." I said, "Baby, he may be a phony." Only God knows that. But that power is real. Well, how can it be real? And then he went on giving me stories he heard about the man on TV. Right. So a lot of uh, ministries on TV are in, or used to be on TV, I guess most of them. Yes, the anointing was flowing, but the life was corrupt. Mm-hmm. Mm. So when I went through my divorce in uh, 2010, and I had been in ministry now a long time and preached to more people than I thought I would ever preach to, think about seven million in one crusade in India. So now uh, the divorce uh, caused me to fight for my survival. I loved my wife, always loved my wife. I do love my wife. We've been restored, thank God. I just talked to her and she called me my love. Oh. I said to one of the people, I said, when she she's happy, she calls me my... she said to tell me hello. Yeah. Yes, I of course her. I did. Yes. So, so I just looked at Christelle and said, she just called me my love, you heard it. And all is well, but if she calls me Benny, something is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but during those three years, I learned a lot about ministry because I was fighting for my survival, spiritually and otherwise. My family was divided, my children were hurting, and a whole lot more than that. One of my precious children, Lily, ran away from home. Nobody knew where she was. It was terrible. Now she's the wife of a pastor. I'm so proud of him. Yeah, praise God. But 
in those times, I would, I would go and minister, and the anointing would be so strong, sometimes stronger than even when I was doing good. And I went home and I said, how can God use me when I'm dying on the inside? Mm -hmm. Yes, I read my Bible, which kept me strong, but I, my prayer life was struggling. And then I was talking to Oral Roberts, three men God sent you in those three years that really kept me going. Jack Hayford, Oral Roberts, and Paul Crouch. Thank God for the three of them. So Oral happened to be my neighbor in California. So he was, of course, getting older here in Evelyn, and so and I would take him food and spend time with them. But one day I said, Doc, I was thinking about an evangelist I knew. I said, Doc, I said, just out of the blue eyes, I said, how can a pastor, preacher, preach with such an anointing, and then go sleep with a woman? Because yeah. that's what that guy did. And Oral said, Benny, it's the anointing. Huh? <laughs> say it again. Because I never expected him to say that. And then he said this. He said, there is a weakness in every human being on earth. Yeah. He said, everyone has a weakness. He says, at least one. But he said, most have more than one. And then he said, that weakness in us, there's one of them only God knows. He said, not even your wife would know it. Not even family members. Only you would know that weakness. I said, you're right. He said, now when you spend time with Jesus, those weaknesses in you are shriveled. He used the word shriveled. He said, they have nowhere to go because of the presence of God in your life. He said, so time with the Lord keeps that weakness or weaknesses under control. He said, now when God anoints you on that platform, he said, it stirs everything up in you, the good and the bad. He said, do you notice how when people are anointed, they become intense? Yeah. Emotional. Yes. Discerning. Yes. And on and on. Loud. He said, the anointing that comes on you in those meetings only affects your body, Benny, and your emotions. It doesn't affect your heart. Wow. Mm. Tell me that again. And he gave me a whole lesson on the anointing on you and how it affects your physical body and affects your emotions and how after you're done, you're worn out, you're yeah. tired. I said, well, Doc, then what does somebody do? But, be but before I ask that question, he said, but... If you're not in the presence of God, those, that weakness or weaknesses are loose. And that anointing stirs it all up, the good and the bad. You become loud, intense, but that weakness comes to the surface. Mm. And that's why men go and sin right after God uses them. Mm. And then he made a statement. He said, the greatest men have fallen after the greatest moments, Benny. Mm. So he goes, right. And I thought mm. about not just that one guy, but others. Doc, what do I do then? To survive. He said, well, you need to pray more after God uses you. I said, but I'm so tired after God uses me. I have no strength to pray. He said, then stay in the presence of God. You're fine. Mm. Wow. wow. And then I began going through the scriptures. But that question and answer stayed with me. So now I'm asking for my sake and other things too. And I began looking at what he said about the presence of God in my life. And to my amazement, and at the time happened to be reading 1 John, and I noticed and realized that he was talking about a heresy in the church at the time when they didn't believe Jesus was the Son of God and some question whether the Lord came in the flesh. And he says, John writes, but the anointing that abides in you, and it hit me. 
So wait a minute. The anointing that comes on me doesn't abide at all. It comes and goes. Mm. But he's talking about one that abides. An abiding anointing. Abiding anointing. Abiding anointing. And then it says in the word of God, and that anointing that abides does not lie. It's the truth. Mm -hmm. You don't need anyone to teach you anything. But what he meant is, you don't need anyone to tell you who Jesus is. Mm. Not that the anointing will teach you the whole Bible. Yeah. Right. See? But you know that Jesus is the Son of God. Yeah. And then he says something powerful, that you'll continue to abide because of that anointing. You read the first thing in 1 John, that same chapter 2.20. He talks about the unction within us. Or in Ephesians 3.20, the power in us. It's all over the Bible. Yeah. Mm. Well, how do we know that anointing is alive in us? Three ways. Number one, hunger. Number two, faith. Number three, love for the Lord. What happened to all of us when we got saved? The first thing that happened, ah, I'm hungry for yes. the Bible. Yes. Well, who put that hunger in us? Hungry and thirsty. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Hunger by the Spirit to mm. know the word, God's Word, to know Him. Yes. The second thing is, everything in us knew, I'm saved. Nobody had to tell us. No angel had to come and tell us. No prophet had to come and tell us. We just knew. Faith. And the third thing is, we begin to love someone we hadn't seen before. Mm. Think it says, 2,000 years ago, they saw him and, didn't, and did not love him. Today, we didn't see him and love him. That's the mm. power of God in us. I began to understand, all right, it's that anointing in me that's going to get me to have another one on me. And then I began discovering way more about the anointing in me because... That hunger grows, that faith grows, that love for the Lord grows, and I get deeper in the knowledge of the Lord and the Word, and now I'm being transformed day by day to His image. So this now, happened in that period between 2010 and 2013. Is when I began to understand it's been that. It's in. Yeah. Well, what happened after Sue and I were restored, I made a decision to really get to know the Bible. So I joined Hebrew University. I became a student. Wow. And I just graduated three weeks ago. <laughs> and I, re I, I did it for one reason. I wanted to know the Hebrew yes. Bible. I didn't want someone to tell me what it said. I wanted to know for myself. I was going to say, I already thought you knew the Bible. <laughs> well, I did, but I, I didn't know the depth because the Hebrew language is such, exactly. it's like endless. So I joined Hebrew University and I said, because they gave us the, the, the choice to be the only student in the class if we paid enough money. I said, yes, I want it. So I paid a lot of money to be the only student because I wanted to have the time to ask the questions so yes. nobody would take my time. And I had a, a professor named Sigal Zohar, a wonderful lady from Yemen, way older than me, but boy, does she know the Hebrew Bible. Wow. She taught me Hebrew all over. Now, I spoke it when I was young, but not like I know today. So she said to me one day, she said, you're, one of, you're my finest student. She said, all my you know, students are uh, Catholic priests, most of them, and other pastors. But she said, you're number one. I said, why? She said, because you really read like nobody can read. She said, it's already in you. Mm -hmm. So why did I want to know Hebrew? To know the Bible. Mm -hmm. It was a biblical class. I just spoke to the head of Regent, and he said, the Hebrew you took, we can't even offer. It's way harder we can offer here mm -hmm. at Regent. But why did I do it? I wanted to know my Redeemer. Yeah. I wanted to know him, not the power mm -hmm. that he mm -hmm. puts on you and you minister, yeah. because that doesn't mean anything without mm -hmm. him. But here's what I began to discover, Joni, is if we neglect the Lord, 
slowly he moves away from us and moves away. Where now, how do we know? The hunger goes down. Mm. And our faith and our love for him gets cold. And then it's danger time. So you better, you know, when the hunger decreases, be alarmed. Yeah. When you begin to question the Bible, be alarmed. When your love for the Lord goes down, it's danger zone. And the only way is get 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 back to the to the simplicity of of, of Christianity. The presence of the Lord, mm-hmm. spend time with him and his word. That's all. So simple. Mm-hmm. That's so good. You know, I want to just clarify this because you need to get the book, Mysteries of the Anointing, because we're going to barely scratch the surface. But he was talking about the abiding anointing. Yes. That's what he's talking about. That's yeah. the most important. That is your intimate personal relationship with yeah. God. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have that, then you don't have anything because mm-hmm. it is the most important part of being a Christian that we spend time with the Lord, that we read the word, we spend time in his presence, that we hear his voice. So, and so, so, so important. Benny had been used so supernaturally with the empowering anointing. And that's what she talked, he talks about, uh, you know, I've been to many Benny Hinn crusades. I've seen many people get healed. My own um, assistant was healed from bipolar. That was like, oh, 30 years ago, mm. you know that's a miracle, right? Very much so. So, I mean, I know so many stories. I Mom, mean, literally last night I was out to dinner with friends and we were telling them that you were going to be here today. And um, the guy that we were with said whenever he was a little boy, he had all of these terrible stomach issues and the doctors couldn't help figure out what was going on or help them and his grandma raised him. And so you were on TV and you asked um, everyone watching to put their hands out and to come touch your hands on the TV. So she got his little hands, she put him on the TV, and he was completely healed. And he's like, till this day, I've never had another stomach issue. Yes. Well, I know all of you are enjoying this so much. We are so blessed here at the table, but we are out of time. And I want you to know that one of the most important things you can do is spend time in the Lord's presence. There is power in the anointing. And when you abide in the Lord, it will transform you. So I want you to really think about setting time aside to get in his presence. I mean, for me, that's early in the morning. I usually get a cup of coffee and I sit down and have a devotional. Sometimes I'll listen to a worship song. Sometimes I'll get the word out and read. And so many times in those little quiet moments, if you keep the TV off, don't look at social media. I mean, those are all the things I have to say, no, I'm not going to do. You will be amazed because I think in the morning, sometimes your, your mind is clear and that's, and you can do it anytime, but it's just so important that you get in the presence of God. Well, if you're watching today and you want to experience more of the anointing in your life, I want you to know that's why that toll-free number is on the screen. Our prayer partners are standing by, ready to pray with you, and it is our honor to do so. That's, again, toll-free number from around the world. Any of you that want to call, we want you to feel free to call. Of course, you can go to daystar.com and click on prayer, send your prayer request in that way, and we're going to pray over all of those requests that come in from all over the world. Well, I hope you've enjoyed hearing from Pastor Benny today. Make sure to pick up a copy of his book, Mysteries of the Anointing. It's out now. And to learn more about his ministry, of course, you can visit him online at bennyhen.org. I just appreciate so much Pastor Benny's honesty and transparency today. I know that it has touched your heart as it's touched mine. Uh, let us know how today's program touched your heart by leaving us a comment on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube. We always love hearing how Table Talk is impacting your life. And tune in tomorrow as we continue with more from Pastor Benny Hinn on the anointing. It's going to be good. Thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye for today.